Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is me, Rick Clemens, your host, and I am so excited to have you back here again today. I know so many of you are trying to come out of those closets of your life, and today we're going to go a little scientific on that. But before we dive in, I want to remind you, if you're struggling to come out of your closets, whatever those closets might be, Hop over to my website, rickclemens.com, and jump in and take the unapologetic life assessment because you just might figure out the closet you most need to come out of. So back to the science guy. Well, not really the science guy, the science gal that's about to come on. She's a friend of mine from World Domination Summit, which I know a lot of you have heard me talk about. And she has this really cool brand called The Science of People, and she's a little bit awkward. And we thought, let's dive into the science. Let's figure out why we all have these struggles with coming out of our closets and especially that awkward closet. So um, her name is Vanessa Van Edwards. And I could probably just shut up now and just let her take over because she is that good. So, um, but anyway, welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. I'm so excited to have you here. And oh my gosh, I'm excited to be here. Let's let's talk about closets. Yeah, yeah. And yeah okay, so here's a little... Here's a little interesting tidbit for you folks. Um, we, we've known each other a couple of years. Uh, she spoke at WDS. She was doing something this year at World Domination Summit. Then I did a quick little speech up there. And we had a nice conversation. And then out of the blue, we both end up at the same winery about three miles from our house. Un, unbeknownst to each other that there was a whole link of her family here and that I live here. And so this is why she's here. This is, it was all because it was, I think it was meant to be. It was one of those moments where um, we just needed to see each other at that moment and have the conversation that we had. So I'm very grateful that we got to to. So, and now we're here. And here we are. And here we are. So, closets, closets, closets. And I know that everybody's got them. And in that work you do with, you know, the science of people, I'm sure you see tons of people in these funky little closets in their life. So, um, let's kind of start there. Yeah. So the interesting thing about closets are there's typically many of them and we sometimes don't even realize we're in them. Yep. And I think that I accidentally stumbled upon one of mine because I feel like I have many um, when I was in the process of writing my book. And the first draft of my book was terrible, mm-hmm. terrible, horrible, yep, yep, terrible. Yep, yep. And um, I, my editor is amazing at uh, Penguin Random House portfolio, Nikki Papadopoulos. I sent her the draft and she was like, you know, and she said it in the best possible way. She said, this doesn't sound like you. Mm. And that really hit me. And um, I reread the introduction. Yep. And I thought, what am I trying to be? Who mm. am I trying to be here? And that's the first question. If you're thinking about identifying some of the blockages in your life is who are you trying to be? Yep. And who I was trying to be was an author. I didn't feel like an author. And I thought, oh, I have, you know, it's a a behavior book. I have to sound like all the other authors out there. I have to be quoting research and be sciencey and be professional. You know what that all translates into? 
sterile. A false sense of you and sterile. Absolutely. But totally not me. And absolutely void of emotion and realness mm -hmm. and vulnerability. And so it was super sterile. And by the way, I think this is a really big problem in our professional setting right now is yep. we think professional equals sterile right? We yep. think, oh, to be professional, to be taken seriously, I have to have no emotion, no vulnerability, no realness. Okay. So I read it and I'm like, I'm trying to be professional, which is sounding sterile and therefore boring. And nothing yep. is worse than a boring intro because you're not going to get any readers. Everyone picks up a book, they yeah, read exactly. it pages and that's it. So I thought the next question I asked myself, and by the way, this is, sounds very streamlined, but it took days and days of weeping and journaling. Okay. So that, that, it's, it's streamlined for you the easy way. Cause I think I had to do it the hard way. Mm -hmm. The very second question that kind of came up for me was, okay, I'm trying to be an author. What am I afraid people are going to find out? Mm -hmm. And that's a question that I think is something that I ask a lot of my students. A lot of my students deal with social anxiety, introversion to a crippling point, um, shame, social uh, distraction. Yep. And the question I ask them is, what are you afraid people are going to find out when you're at a party, at a networking event, in front of a boardroom, on stage? And for me, my biggest fear was, here I am, writing a book about how to be charismatic and mm -hmm. I feel so awkward. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like this crazy imposter syndrome. And so mm -hmm. I talked to my editor and she said, Vanessa, your awkwardness is why you should be the person writing this book. Exactly. And I realized that a lot of the book, the reason why a lot of the people skills books, and I, and I love Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and I love Influence, uh, you know, Robert Caldini. I love all those right. books. But those books are written by extroverts. Yep. And almost every people skills book I had ever read and course and seminar are extroverts trying mm -hmm. to teach not extroverts how to pretend to be extroverts. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something different. I wanted to write a book that was not by an extrovert on how to learn it the other way, that you don't have to be charismatic to be an extrovert. So she said, just come out with what you're afraid with right from the starting gate. Just mm -hmm. come out with it. And so I feel like I had to come out. I changed the introduction. The very first line of my book is the thing I was most afraid that people would find out, which is, hi, I'm Vanessa, and I'm a recovering awkward person. Hmm. And starting with that line changed the entire nature of the book. It, I think it is the reason the book hit the bestseller list. It is the reason why I got a TED Talk from the book, and, and then I made the opening line of my TED Talk, hi, I'm Vanessa, I'm a recovering awkward person. And now I come out of the closet all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I hit a big stage. That's my first line. I'm in a party where I literally feel uncomfortable and I will literally say, hi, I'm Vanessa, and I'm feeling a little bit awkward. Yep. And every time it frees me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it frees me and it makes me feel more me. And never once have I ever regretted coming out that way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that you say that, Vanessa, because this is what I talk about constantly with people who are literally coming out of the sexuality closet. You are going to feel awkward. You are going to feel like you're the only one. You are going to be trying to be somebody that you're not. And that is the reason you're wanting to come out of the closet. And that awkwardness is, in fact, one of my little sayings is what's in your closet is what is going to help you come out of your closet. It's yes. all that stuff 
that you already have. You already have what you need to do this. But you're putting that judgment. You're putting that, what are other people thinking? You're putting that, who am I supposed to be? And who, who am I supposed to be acting like? And what am I supposed to be showing? All of that stuff gets in the way instead of just, hey, I'm Rick. And I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to play the status quo game. I happen to be gay, whatever it is. And just putting it out there. And it's scary. I don't think yeah. Vanessa and I or either one could say it's not. No. <laughs> and and by the way, Rick and I, we when we talked about this before, it's something that I think I didn't crystallize until we had spoken about it, which is when you come out, it's not a singular event. Mm -mm. You are coming out all the time over and over again, Absolutely. whether that's with your sexuality or whether that's with social anxiety or that's with awkwardness or whether that's with some deep, dark, hairy secret that you feel that you have. Yeah. I am constantly have to tell, I constantly have to tell people that as a reminder of who I am. And so coming out is a daily act of courage. Yep. Every time you do it, you're getting stronger. Mm -hmm. And every time you do it, you should pat yourself on the back. Yep. And, and the thing that I've learned from all my work with people coming out of the sexuality closet and now doing it with people in lots of other ways is that first one is tough but it gives you the strength to go do it again and again and again. Cause it's almost like you got the secret sauce, so to speak, because you've done it once. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy each time, but I never stop coming out. And I'm talking about specifically my sexuality closet, but there's people I will meet and, and they'll be talking about stuff and I'll say, Oh yeah, my husband and I did this and I'm so subtle about it. It's not like here, shove it in your face, but it's like, I just say it. And I, you know, I'm always on that coming out, you know, cliff. And, and you know what? It's addictive. I have to yes. say, like, there's big closets, right? Like yep, sexuality. Yep. And there's also smaller closets. Like, I would say that coming out as an awkward person is a smaller closet, right? Like, that is not nearly as big. But every time you do it, it's quite addictive because it feels so good to be real. Yes. It's horrible and it's scary and you get adrenaline and cortisol. But it also is like, I feel alive. I feel so awake and alive and myself and engaged. And so I also try to cultivate, I know there's a lot of bad, scary feelings that come along with it, but there's a little tiny bit of good in there, maybe even more good than bad. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to be like, yes, yes, that's what I want. That's why I'm doing this. So it's interesting as you're talking, a couple of things that cropped up. So, you know, you and I had to talk about <clears throat> a book I'm, working on or supposed to be working on that I haven't really, I've gotten someplace since you and I talked, but not far, but it was interesting <laughs> because this awkwardness that you brought up the, as you were talking, I like, I wrote down, I'm a masculinity chaser. I've been chasing being masculine my whole life. And yet I don't need to do that. I don't have to come out and say that, but yet it's so interesting because when we say, okay, I'm a, a recovering awkward person or I actually used to tell people I was a recovering heterosexual. And then I'm like, well, that doesn't really make sense. But, you know, it kind of it's kind of an interesting picture to paint. But I think it's interesting when we start to see what it is that we're chasing or we think we're recovering from. And then we spin it around because as you, as you were talking, I'm like, well, but what's scary about being awkward? Mm -hmm. But it is to you. It may not be to me. Right. But when we get those moments that we can own, hey... I'm Vanessa and I'm feeling really awkward. 
-hmm. I think everything flips around. Mm -hmm. And also it requires a little bit of self-compassion and other compassion. And what I mean by this, as you mentioned, someone listening who's maybe uh, very comfortable with themselves, very charismatic, they might be like, awkward, that's not a thing. Right. You know, that's nothing compared to my closet. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is you can't judge other people for their nerves or anxiety around their closets yeah. because we all have our own perspective of what's hard for us. Absolutely. And so it requires self-compassion saying, you know what, I'm feeling bad about this and not shaming yourself. You should not shame yourself about, yep. oh, just buck up, be courageous. Come on, you can do it. You know, follow Brene Brown. You've got this. You know, that's also self-shaming, but it's also thinking about whatever is hard for someone else is hard for their own reasons. And that yep. kind of compassion muscle, we need more and more and more and more. Yeah, yeah. And I know you come across this in your work, but it's so fascinating to me. I'll get. In fact, I just did a call with a potential new client yesterday, and this person said things like. <laughs> Well, this is really stupid, and I know this sounds silly, and you probably never heard anything like this before. And I kept interrupting him and saying, "Okay, if you and I are going to do this work together first, there is no such thing as this is stupid. Mm. There is no such thing as I've never heard of this before because I want to interrupt that pattern. I'm like, if we're going to make this successful, wherever the direction is you're going, we're going to start putting a little bit of a stopgap in that self-talk stuff because there's no compassion." And that's why most of us stay in our closet. Yes, there's external factors that keep us there, but we bought into those. And then once we adopt those, we just close that little closet door and there we sit. I, I have a challenge for people listening, actually. So if you're, um, so I, actually, I was just talking to my wonderful friend, Nir Ayal, who's the author of the book, um, Hooked and Indistractable. And he came up with this amazing phrase, which is, are you a blamer or are you a shamer? Meaning in your self-talk, are you constantly shaming yourself saying, you know, that's stupid, that's dumb, you're being silly, or are you a blamer? That person's horrible, that person's being silly, that person's being dumb. Because neither of the of those serve us. Mm-hmm. And so first think about like, do you tend to blame where it's never your fault, you never have accountability and therefore you never change? Or do you tend to shame, which is I'm horrible, I'm bad, and therefore you never change? And the way that the really big challenge here is I challenge you to record out loud, open a voice memo or open Mm -hmm. your photo booth, record out loud what you're saying to yourself. Mm-hmm. The moment you begin to talk out loud, it, you realize how it sounds, whether that's blaming someone else or shaming yourself. It's a pretty horrifying experience and very enlightening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, can you say the name of that book again? Because I think this is something that everybody should read is his book. So what was the name again? Yes. Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Love that. Love that. So it's interesting. I've never heard of, well, I think I have heard. and not the book, but him. And then as you're saying this, I'm like, well, that's interesting because one of the things I say to my clients, I'm like, okay, here's three things you can do. You can either blame somebody else for where you are. You can shame yourself into it because of where you are, or you can own where you are. Mm -hmm. And you and I are going to help you own it. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's probably some blame. And yes, there's probably some justifiable shame. But if you're going to come out of your closet, you're going to have to own where you are and you have to own where you're going. Oh, snaps for that. 
snap, snaps. I like Because it. if you don't, you will never, you will never get where you want to be. It starts with owning where you are and letting go of the blame and letting go of the shame. It's huge. So I think we, we've solved the world problem, so to speak. I like it. I, think so <laughs> I do too. Years. So Cheers as up. a, as a, as someone who sees herself as awkward, how do you continue to like, okay, I'm, I'm beyond, I'm going beyond that closet door. And I know there's probably times you still go back in that closet door. Yeah. How do you keep that momentum of, okay, I'm stepping forward. I know you've shared a little bit already, but I want to hear some more about that because I yeah. feel that too. I go into that closet at times. And I'm like, oh, I just can't come out of this. This isn't, you know, and I'm not talking about my sexuality. It's all the other little funky closets. I have about <laughs> 25,000 of them here in my office right now. But um, how do you keep pushing yourself forward? Yeah. So I think that um, very practically speaking, the two things that help the most with this are one is knowing your emotional allergies. And so emotional allergies are things that flare up your, your closet feelings, yeah, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be necessarily going back in the closet, but like flare up your discomfort with being out or make you want to go back in or feel like you have to hide something for a certain group or a certain people. Yeah. And so these can be people. It can be mm -hmm. like a person in your life who just makes you feel itchy. <laughs> mm -hmm. It could be situations like, for example, um, really loud networking events yep. are really hard for me. And actually, I'll be very transparent. So um, I've spoken at WDS before. It's an amazing event run by uh, Chris Gillibo. It's just yep. so inspiring. And he asked me to give uh, a main stage talk. That was wonderful. It was an amazing life-changing experience. Yep. And then he asked, hey, will you speak at the opening party? Yep. Now, I should have known... I should have known that I was putting myself into an emotionally allergic situation. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is the opening party. And I know this, I know this cause I've mm -hmm. gone almost every year yep. is a super big room. It's yep. super loud yep. and there's very little structure. Yep. I'm allergic to very big rooms that are very loud with very mm -hmm. little structure. And so I said, sure, of course, anything for you, Chris, Mm -hmm. And of course I get up on, which wasn't even a stage. It was like exactly. a staircase stage. They had only mic'd or added sound to half of the room. Yep. So half of the room was talking and networking and schmoozing. Mm -hmm. And the other half was being lovely and trying to listen. Yep. And it threw me, it I threw know. me right back into that closet. Mm -hmm. And I knew better. I knew better. I was so disappointed in myself because A, I should have said no. Yeah. Uh, B, I should have just structured differently where maybe it was a side room or maybe it was music or something else. Mm -hmm. And then I was super disappointed in myself because I feel like I let people down. Mm. You know, I had all these exercises. I was super excited to help people get to know each other and I couldn't right. do any of them. And so I'm constantly struggling with this, but I knew that. I knew mm -hmm. it was emotionally allergic, but, and this is what happens with allergies. Yep. You have people who you really want to please. Mm -hmm. You want to please the people. You want to please yourself. You have goals. And so you say, well, this time I'll just sacrifice my needs mm -hmm. and my boundaries. Mm -hmm. This time I'll just not be myself. I'll just not come out mm -hmm. this time. Yep. That never works. It always backfires. And if it does work, it means you burn something out inside. And what she speaks of, folks, is the absolute truth. Because I was there. 
And we literally were having our, like our first connection conversation right before you did all that. And I could, I could sense like, wow, I know I've seen Vanessa on stage. I've seen her about talking to people. And now here we are having this conversation. And I'm like, well, she doesn't seem like she's on her game, but I don't, I didn't know what was coming. I mean, I knew you were going to do something because Chris had yeah. said, oh yeah, Vanessa's going to do this. And then A, I felt for you because I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Number one. It was not and working. It wasn't working. And it just wasn't working. It was one of those moments where I, I don't even know if, if they even realized this thing isn't going to work because that room was very echoey. Number one, too many people, you know, it was great. I mean, the event was great, but it just wasn't the kind of thing to try to do what was being done. And yeah. I started feeling it. I thought, oh, and of course being, you know, <laughs> the next day, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> of course my stuff started coming up and I'm like, okay, is this going to, how am I going to do this? But I can so relate to this because here's something I learned about myself. And this is, I'm a recovering sweater, literally. Oh, <laughs> big time. And I have to say, I'm very proud of what I did at WDS this year because I came off stage a little sweaty, but not near like I usually do. Mm, good job. Here's what I know. I used to be the guy and still do at times because habits are hard to break. That when I was speaking or doing workshoppy stuff, it's like, okay, I have to have it all perfect. You know, they, mm -hmm. I want them to have this experience and, and I have to have these kick little props and stuff and da, 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 da. And if it wasn't working, I started to sweat. Mm -hmm. I was trying to make something happen. Yeah, I was too contrived. When I went out on that WDS stage this year, and part of it's because Marsha Shander, who we both know and love, she did oh. an amazing job of helping me with my talk. But I knew I was also going on that stage and I was so much speaking my truth, like literally laying it out on the line. And I have done that before, but I went out there this time with a different intention. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to speak for these people, not for me, for these people. Mm -hmm. And I I'm literally not... walked off the stage and I actually, <laughs> I've learned this about myself. There's always a couple of handkerchiefs in my back pocket. So that yeah. if the sweat starts rolling and I'm a bald guy. Most of you know that if you've seen my picture. So yes, if sweat starts rolling, it's kind of hard to hide it. Those who have hair, it's a little bit easier, but I keep those in my back pocket and I know what I will do if it starts to happen. I will work it into my talk, but we need to learn to not sweat the big things like, sweating profusely like on stage like right now and I pull a handkerchief out and you know wipe my head or whatever but when <laughs> I came off that stage I thought and I screwed up there was a portion of stuff that I left out but I'm like it's oh. okay it's okay nobody knows that but you well my family knew because <laughs> my husband knew because he'd heard the speech before but it was you would never have known you would never have known mm -mm. And I think this is where we hold ourselves. As you say, those funky little emotional allergies show up. My emotional allergy is you can't let them see you sweat on stage, Rick. That's an allergy. Because you know what? If you're sweating on stage, hey, that's just kind of what happens to some people. Some people it doesn't. And I think it's so easy because when you realize that's about people pleasing, step away from it. And just exactly. you're supposed to be. And, and you said something so important, which is that you were there for, for people listening. And I think that sometimes keeping a mission, being mission focused is actually a really good driver, right? Yeah. Like if you can't summon the internal courage, that's okay. 
you can harness that from a greater mission, a greater goal. And one of the things we talk about with um, the conquering social fears is you can conquer any social fear if you feel that you're driven to some kind of a goal or mission. Mm -hmm. The, The quintessential example of this is Jackie Kennedy. Jackie Kennedy was uh, known as an introvert and she was put in a position where she just couldn't be. And if she was going to be introvert, she would have missed an incredible opportunity to be influential and to change people's lives. And so she had to step into a more ambiverted, and I actually like the word ambivert as opposed to extrovert, ambiverted role to be able to make her goals come true. And so that is also something that you can keep focused on is like, what is your greater mission? That can give you Mm -hmm. such courage. And even if you're not on a stage or delivering a workshop or whatever it is, I invite you to do what Vanessa was just talking about. Realize, and kind of what I said, you are there for whatever the reason is. You are there for you. You are there for your greater good if you're coming out of a closet. And I think a lot of people miss this piece. When I'm talking to my people who are literally coming out of the sexuality closet, they're like, but other people, but other people. I'm like, yes, but who are you doing this for? You are doing this for you. You are doing this for your sanity. You are doing this for your better self. If you are leaving a job that isn't working, you are doing it for you. If you are getting out of a relationship that isn't working, or if you're like, I'm diving into this relationship and I want this to work, own that you're doing it back to my own it. You got to own where you are to own where you're going to get. And sometimes we miss that big piece. It doesn't always have to be about others, but sometimes it does. And And, and that confidence is really contagious. So another mission here is like, you would not wish upon your best friend or your partner or your children for them to be in any kind of closet. And so every time you're courageous and not only you step out of the closet, but you own that, right? You own that you're out and you're okay with it. That is inspiring in all kinds of hidden and secret ways to people in your life that you might not even realize. For example, I was giving um, a talk at a a company retreat, a big, big company. And this company is known for being very technical. So it's a lot of engineers, a lot of um, graphic designers, uh, computer tech heavy folk. And at the end, I said, I think Oh, a question was asked, a gentleman stood up and he said, you know, what should I do if I can tell that someone is really trying to be charismatic, but it's not working? Mm, Interesting. (laughs) And I thought that was an interesting question. And I said to him, I was like, applaud them, support them, be there for them. And everyone started clapping and I said, how amazing would it be if someone is trying to be charismatic, they're trying to come out of their closet, they're trying to be confident, and they knew they had this really supportive group of people waiting to catch them when they do fail because they will. And we will and we do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what we have to think about is we don't know who we're going to inspire with our own courage. And that's a greater mission that you can just kind of keep in your back pocket. Absolutely. You know, as I spoke on stages throughout my <clears throat> college and university speaking circuit stuff when I was doing that more frequently, I always would get the student, especially in the LGBTQ space, so let me kind of frame that. I would always come off stage and almost always at least one, if not 10 or 12, <laughs> kids would come up to you and go, so I have a friend 
and I knew where it was going. So I have a friend that I think is gay or lesbian or bi or whatever. And I just wish they would like be themselves. And what can I do to help them come out of the closet? Mm -hmm. And I would say you applaud them for every little step they take that pushes them in that direction. Do not out them. Do not say, oh, are you gay or bi? What you can do. And here's how you do applause. You can say, oh, isn't that cool that marriage equality is being voted in? Or, oh, did you see that latest episode of, you know, at the time it would have been Will and Grace or whatever. You make it comfortable to talk about this stuff without pointing the finger. And I think this is a parallel in any universe when somebody's coming out of something. You make it comfortable for that introvert to go, oh, I'm going to say something in a meeting. And you let them know after they did that, hey, I'm really glad you spoke up. If you see someone and... Okay, I'm a little uh, gregarious, but I'm also an introvert myself. I know that may be surprising to some of you, but I can be very introverted at times. If you see someone working out at the gym, and I do this all the time because I'm a big guy and I've been bigger than I am. If I see someone working out at the gym that's a very big person, I just give them a nice smile. And sometimes I will even fist bump them and go, keep it up. Because they need to hear these things. And we all need it. Back. We all need to hear it. Yep. That's why I message Vanessa every day, like, keep raising that baby. You're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh no, we gosh, don't really do that. All, but yeah, we could go off on that one. Parenting like, closets. There yes, are so many. So many, so many. So, um, but yeah, I think this is the key to this is realizing we do all have these closets. And it's, it's something that I think if we would talk about them more, we would find out we're so much more. And I'm going to go very trite. <laughs> We are so much more alike than different people. And I think that's part of this message is your closet is very similar to my closet. Mm -hmm. My closet is very similar to Vanessa's. And Vanessa's, well, Vanessa probably has really stylish stuff in her closet versus mine. But <laughs> I know this for a fact because I've seen how she dresses, which is fabulous. But, um, but I think the more we normalize this, that our closets are so much more alike than they are different. And, and by the way, this is a really like not to veer too much into interpersonal skills, but one of the favorite conversation hacks that I learned, you know, awkwardness in conversation has always been a big one for me. Um, and I always wanted to find like, what are the tricks and tips that I can do in conversation? And actually you tip, you, you hinted at one, which is very easy, which is I used to go into conversation feeling awkward because I felt like there was no goal, right? Like I would be like, hello, how are ya? What do you do? Yep. Where are you from? Like the same socially scripted conversation. And originally my goal was like, keep it scripted, right? Like yep, stick yep. to safe topics. And that is so boring and it was so not memorable and so not charismatic. Yep. And then I thought, well, what if I shifted the goal to, I need to find three commonalities in this conversation. Mm -hmm. First, it immediately takes away awkwardness because you have a goal right? Anytime you don't have a goal, it's so much harder or an intent or a purpose if you don't like the word goal. So I have an intent for every conversation tonight or at this party or at this holiday party or at this networking event, I am going to find three similarities with everyone I talk to. Second, it drives much more interesting questions. So instead of being like, how are you? How's it going? Been busy. Very hard to find similarities in there. You can ask, what are you up to this weekend? Still yep. safe, still comfortable, yep. but maybe they'll be doing the same thing as you or have any big holiday plans. Who knows, maybe they'll be doing the same thing as you. Or instead of been busy, you can say any, any working on anything exciting recently. Yep. All of those 
questions are still safe. They're still comfortable, but they give you a diff that they make your conversation. I can't even describe like, you know, how umami is like the sixth flavor of the palate. Right. Gives your conversation umami. Like it gives conversation like this depth of feeling of like, oh, we're here for a reason. And this person is asking questions where they're actually searching and listening to the answers. And it completely adds depth to every interaction. So I, I, if, if that's helpful to anyone listening, oh, totally three helpful. commonalities. That is uh, so good because I, I believe that in these coming out conversations, and, and it doesn't matter what, what you're doing or where you're at, but even in these coming out conversations, and I think Vanessa will like this, and I know she hasn't heard it because we never talked about this, but <clears throat> when a client comes to me, and we're going to go back to like the sexuality conversation, but I use this even with someone, and in fact, I'm using this with a guy right now who's a high-up executive at one of the movie studios, and he really wants to leave this like very, 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 very nicely paying high salary, high prestige job to do something that matters. And he goes, I don't know how to talk to my wife about that. And I said, yes, you do. How did you talk to your wife about buying your first home? How did you talk to your wife about the two of you getting married? How did you talk to your wife about the two of you deciding to have children or buying a car? I said, these are tough conversations. They're also exciting conversations. You already have what you need to do these conversations, but we think we don't. Because we don't find, as Vanessa just said, we don't find the common ground. And the more you find the commonality in the conversation, the easier it will be for you to talk about the closet you want to come out of. And it was interesting a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I was at a conference and I met um, Emily Fletcher, which is she's oh, I love Emily. She's amazing. She is amazing. She's great about meditation and manifestation and mindset and mindfulness. And she was one of the first speakers at this conference. And of course, I'm probably more attuned to this than the average man because, okay, I hate to be trite and <laughs> do the stereotype, but I'm a gay guy. So I notice, I notice outfits and clothes and style and all that sort of stuff. She came out in this really amazing outfit that was so succinct with her brand. And immediately when she came out, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to really be able to absorb what she's going to talk about because it was kind of a flowing top. It was like nice billowy pants, but it was like muted colors that you would expect to see in like with the India print and everything. I'm like, uh-huh, I am already in the meditative state. So get through her talk, we go on break. I went out for a walk around the hotel property and came back and she was standing outside. And of course, little Ricky, who used to be petrified <laughs> of talking to somebody like that or being gaga or whatever, was like, oh, I really want to talk to her. And of course, little Ricky said, but you can't. You have to have the perfect thing to say. The new little Ricky walked right up to her and said, hey, Amy, I mean, Emily, it was really great to hear your talk. And I have to tell you, your outfit for me set the tone for me to immediately sink in to absorb everything that you shared. And she looked at me and she goes, I've never had anybody say something like that to me. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just telling you, it was something that I noticed and it made me really like settle in. Not that I should have felt afraid. And then we had these great talks. We talked about her trip out and 
her kid. And, and by the end of the two days, it's like, Hey, Rick, just let me know, you know, when you want me to do something with you or have a conversation. Right I could have put her up on this huge pedestal, but I met her in a space where I just came at her like, Hey, great outfit. And it really helped me really appreciate you. And sometimes we just don't realize we have everything we need in ourselves to say and do the thing we most need to do to come out of our closets. And you might've given her a gift. What if Emily was feeling nervous about her outfit choice? What if she was questioning it? What if she felt like the talk didn't go well? Exactly. Every time you share a commonality or even better, an appreciation, you might be giving that person exactly what they need to hear. And it's so funny because I literally have an email in my inbox from Emily right now because we're going to do a little <laughs> partnership together. So like that's, that's awesome. meant to be. And she is the kind of person where that kind of comment is going to go into her lock treasure box, mm -hmm. right? Like that's going to sit in her treasure box of like anytime she picks out that outfit, She's going to think of Rick being like, I loved it. Yep. You yep. gave her a gift in her closet. That well, is and just, amazing. And just talking about, hey, I saw you were, you know, I saw you were flying out yesterday. You know, as soon as I saw who it was, I'm like, okay, I, I got on Instagram and started following her. And I saw that she flew out from New York. And, and so after, you know, that little comment said, so how was the trip out from New York? And I said, you have a little one, right? So is this like a, a first trip for you? And we got right. So there's so much that we can connect with people on. If we just be people, nothing else, just be ourselves. People nothing. will love you for you. That's the truth. So, wow, this time went by really fast. That's the good, and that's a, that's a good, a good, good thing. Right? And there were so many beautiful things that Vanessa said that she shared. If you want to know more about her, we can catch her at Science of People. All these different things. We're going to have everything linked up on the show page. Anything new coming out? You got any new books? You got, I mean, I, well, now we know there's something possibly going on with her and Emily Fletcher. So that's kind of like inside <laughs> scoop. Cool to know. Um, but anything else coming down the pipeline for you, my friend? Yeah, we have our next class of people school coming up. Um, cool. So people school is all the people skills every professional should know. 12 um, kind of foundational skills for mastering communication and conversation. And we have a bunch of classes every year and our next one's coming up. So be sure right. to, even if you don't join the class, I always do a free like webinar class on, um, charisma to just kick That's it awesome. off. So charisma is great. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about that. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so excited that we, every once in a while we may get to see each other on a more frequent basis when you guys come to our lovely little San Luis Obispo, California area with your kids and to see your family. And um, I love that you shared today. This, oh my gosh. Like, Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that for people listening, you know, it takes courage to make all those small choices and those small choices are what add up to a meaningful life. Mm. And we're going to just end it right there. So thanks everybody for listening again. Never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping into coming out of your closet. No fears, no excuses, no apologies. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this 
and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here on Life Unclogging. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.